For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll do a little mid-season whip around the NFL with our own Lindsey Jones, who covers the NFL for The Athletic. We talked to her before the season about some of the upcoming storylines. Could the 49ers repeat as NFC West and NFC champions? What would happen with the rookie quarterback situation? We've also got a ton of injuries to look over. It's the midway point, and we've just passed the trade deadline in the NFL season. It's Friday, November 6th. Always fun when we can whip around the NFL and talk to Lindsey Jones about everything going on in the NFL. You can follow her on Twitter at by Lindsey Jones. Lindsey, welcome back to the update. Great to have you on again. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying being here. And I just wanted it's by Lindsey H. Jones. I don't want you to follow the wrong person. Oh, Twitter. seriously. Yeah, we should get that <laughs> in okay. there. I'm sorry. See, I, I read over that quickly, the uh, the handle. You want to get the right handle by Lindsey H. Jones on Twitter. Make sure you give her a follow. She's putting out good stuff. And I guess the story you just put out was following the NFL trade deadline, which when I was a kid, like you follow trade deadlines, you follow Major League Baseball and the NBA, and you get a bunch of big trades, a bunch of big names changing teams. And for the NFL, it never happened. And then in the last couple of years, we've seen that, though this year's trading deadline, maybe not as big. Yeah, I mean, we kind of got spoiled because I think, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 were pretty thrilling. I mean, there were a lot of like substantial moves. I mean, you know, former first round picks that were moving, uh, you know, teams were willing to trade first round picks at midseason, which, you know, didn't used to happen. And then this year, we kind of reverted to what the trade deadline what most, uh, what a lot of us who've been following the NFL for a long time were used to, where it was some minor moves. It was, you know, some backup skill position players. You know, I think one of the most notable, you know, trades actually happened in San Francisco with the the Quan Alexander, where, you know, it was notable because they paid him so much money. But largely it was a dud. I mean, even over the course of the preceding weeks, I mean, there were fewer deals that happened in October. And there were none of those blockbuster type of trades that we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, the most notable is, and they're all related to COVID. And one of them is, is that it's just a lot more difficult to get new players into your building. There's a six-day intake process. So you can't trade for a guy on Tuesday, have him on the field by Sunday. You know, it's it's almost like a two-week process now to get a guy in, get him through the testing, get him acclimated to your building, get him, you know, able to practice with your team, all of those sorts of things. But I think the bigger factor is that the salary cap is going to go down next year. And next offseason, what we're going to be seeing is a lot of teams shedding a lot of veteran contracts. And the salary cap could go all the way down to 175 million. That's where they set the salary cap floor at next year. So, if the NFL does end up losing two or three billion dollars, which they are expecting to this year in, in revenue losses, that salary cap is going to drop. And teams were not willing to take on a lot of veteran salaries for next year or add guys who are going to want new contracts. So, when you looked at you know like Will Fuller with the Houston Texans, potentially going to the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't just about, okay, well, what, what's the compensation for basically a half of a year rental? It's what's the contract that he's going to want after that? He's, is he going to want that new contract now? What is 2021 going to look like? And, you know, what's the overall value? So we didn't see quite, you know, the same fireworks, the same amount of movement, which was, you know, a little bit disappointing because we all yeah, want to kind, kind of a bummer. Yeah. Right. I mean, we all <laughs> want to play fantasy GM and, you know, you go through these scenarios where you say, oh, this guy would be a great fit. And, you know, clearly, you know, this team has needs here and you want to do some of those things. And most GMs ended up really just standing pat at the deadline and they're going to go ahead with the guys they've got and their expanded practice squads. And um, we're going to see these rosters get really, really tested over the next few weeks because of COVID. 
that's kind of where I want to go next. Is I, I assumed that the trade deadline would maybe not be as active as we've seen in the past just because of everything you just mentioned. It's going to take six days to get a guy on the field. Maybe even a big deal that the Seahawks went out and got Carlos Dunlap and 49er fans were a little tentative thinking, uh-oh, is that going to happen this week? They're going to have to see them. And that did not happen, obviously. In week eight, they didn't have to see him just because of the protocol they've got to follow. But from your perspective, this was a big topic for you and I when we talked at the beginning of the season, how the NFL was going to get through this. There was no bubble like they did in the NBA that was completely flawless. There was no bubble like they did in baseball, which was flawless until just Justin Turner on the final game of the season comes out with COVID-19 while he's on the field, by the way. So I'm wondering, for everything you've seen from teams having to, to play games on a Tuesday, from teams getting their bye week ripped out from under them, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I guess, are the one that comes to mind where they're playing like 13 consecutive weeks. How do you think the NFL has handled COVID-19, at least from a health and safety standpoint for the players? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because we went into the season where it was like, it was kind of looking good, right? I mean, we made it all the way through training camp without any outbreaks. You know, there were, you know, a, a chunk of positive tests at intake, which was to be expected because of what the COVID numbers looked like across the country in July when players were leaving their, you know, their hometowns and coming into this NFL virtual bubble. I mean, I'm using air quotes right now. I mean, because look, there's no such thing as a virtual bubble. Either you are a bubble or you're not a bubble. And they're <laughs> exactly, not a bubble. Yeah. The first couple weeks went okay. I mean, there there were no upticks in cases, you know, no outbreaks. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Tennessee Titans had an, a legitimate outbreak where, you know, it started with a player who came into the building being signed to a practice squad. And then there were coaches that tested positive and players that tested positive. And now we've seen a lot of updates to the protocols. We've seen games being moved, like you mentioned. I mean, games have been moved, you know, postponed by, you know, a week. They've been moved. We've now had games on Monday night doubleheaders. I think there was a two o'clock Pacific time kickoff a couple weeks ago, which I live in Denver. So it was a three o'clock mountain time, which was brilliant. And I would it's love fantastic. to have it. Yeah, it was, it was great. great. Let's, you Loved know, it. let's, yeah. let's do that all the time. Um, I'm, I'm all in favor of that here. And, you know, we've seen a game on a Tuesday. We have not seen any games on Wednesdays yet. They're going ahead largely as scheduled. The biggest change and the biggest thing that they're focused on right now in order to get this season completed is it's not about the testing schedule. And that was really the focus through training camp and early in the season. It was all about, okay, when are they being tested and what are the test results? Now it's so much is on contact tracing and identifying close contacts with the understanding that there are going to be guys who test positive, whether it's players, coaches, staff members. You know, I mentioned I live here in Denver where John Elway and Joe Ellis, who's the team president, who's basically their kind of acting owner. He's the guy who votes on owner's meetings and all of that stuff. They both tested positive this week. So it's across organizations. They know that guys are going to test positive because of what's going on in the country. There's community spread everywhere right now. You know, cases are spiking across the country back to the numbers that we saw back in the spring, really, in a lot of places. So the goal is that, okay, we know guys are going to test positive. And then it's identifying as many of these close contacts as possible. And that means that there's going to be games played now. A lot of games actually played this weekend where high risk close contacts, these guys aren't going to be on the field. You know, we saw it with the Packers and the Niners. We're seeing it with the Texans. We're going to see it with the Bears. There's a chance that we'll see it with the Broncos this weekend. The Chiefs had an athletic trainer test positive on Thursday. I mean, it, this is happening all over the league where, you know, it really feels like the NFL is kind of back at this precipice again in terms of are they going to be able to kind of keep going at this rate, especially with this disease being 
it's just not controlled, you know, anywhere in the country. And when the NFL decided it wasn't going to do a bubble, and it was never seriously considered, it wasn't like they were going back and forth, and they, you know, made a decision at the last minute, an NBA style bubble or an NHL style bubble was just never on the table. The NFLPA was never going to agree to it. The logistics of doing a bubble for 32 NFL teams was just not, it just wasn't feasible. So but when they decided that they were going to kind of go ahead with this, do similar to Major League Baseball, this was always the risk, right? I mean, they're living in their communities, guys are going to restaurants, their kids are in schools, you know, you go to the grocery store, you know, doing all the things that all of us are kind of doing, right? I mean, I have a daughter, she's in school. And, you know, it's just kind of these risks that we're leading in our lives right now. So what the NFL is really focused on right now is saying, look, if there's a chance that you will have to miss a game, if you're a high risk close contact to somebody. We saw it last week where there were two players, one with the Ravens, one with the Packers, who both tested positive the morning after a game. So anybody who wasn't wearing a mask on the sideline that was close to that player, those guys got went onto that high-risk close contact list. And that means you miss a game. So now they're saying, you better just wear your mask all the time. They can't mandate it. The NFLPA would have to agree to sideline masks at all times. And that hasn't happened yet. But they're saying we're strongly encouraging. And there's basically a warning that you wear your mask when you're not actively in the game, or else you run the risk that you're going to be on that close contact list and have to miss five days and potentially a game, even if you yourself haven't tested positive. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I understand that the logistics for doing a bubble for the NFL teams was really not in the cards. I mean, for the NBA, they even cut it down to 22 teams. They had to limit the back end of their schedule. And then even then, I mean, you, basketball just works better, right? You've got 15 guys in a roster. That's that's one side of your, your offense or your defense or your special teams virtually, right? There's just so many more guys that would be on the field for an NFL team. But I wonder, is there a possibility if we get closer to the postseason at risk of of having a, I know people would say like the Major League Baseball season was a little fugazi, right? You didn't play enough to crown an actual champion. The NFL has an opportunity to actually finish a season, be it without fans in some cities. Do you think we'll get to a point where they may consider for the postseason maybe bubble sites? Maybe you get one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, one on the Central, something like that, where they can maybe keep a little legitimacy and competitive integrity for the postseason. Yeah, it's something that has been discussed, and we reported that a couple weeks ago, Dan Kaplan and I from the Athletic Sports Business site, from people that we're talking to, that it is something that has been discussed. It's not something that they want to do, but it is something that the competition committee and the advisory committee and the football operations people have put on the table, and they haven't taken it off the table at this point. The NFL is generally reluctant to do any sort of bubble because of kind of what we said, where it's only a bubble if it's truly a bubble and there's no one in, no one out. And, you know, to do that, that means broadcasters, doctors, service people, all of that, you know, you have to bubble up. And that's what the NBA did. Everybody from ESPN and TNT, you know, anybody who was involved in the broadcast were in there, all of those sorts of things. But the one kind of thing out there is what is the state of COVID across the United States going to be like. And when the NFL was doing most of its planning through the spring and summer, within that building, within, you know, the NFL league office, there was a lot of optimism that the country was going to be in a much better place, that maybe there would be a vaccine by now, or maybe that, you know, this curve would have been flattened. And that's clearly not happening right now. So I think as the community spread continues to rise, and there are a lot of teams and players who are having to miss games, it's something that they're going to have to consider and they're going to have to continue talking about. Because while 
it's not ideal that, you know, let's say there's three or four Houston Texans that aren't going to be able to play this week against the Jaguars because they were close contacts of one of their linebackers who did test positive. You can survive that, right? It's week nine. We're week nine right now. It's it's early November. That's devastating if it's January. And then all of a sudden, you know, three Kansas City Chiefs can't play in their one postseason game. So the argument for a postseason bubble is, yes, it's logistically challenging. And it's going to be expensive. It's going to be difficult. But it's short term. It's a limited number of teams. And you can ensure that everybody who's in there has then been tested and quarantined and all of those sorts of things. So I don't expect it's anything they're going to do quickly. We wouldn't see any decisions like that. But they have to keep it on the table for now. The one other interesting like postseason discussion is that they will talk. Uh, the competition committee has a proposal for expanding the field to 16 teams, so eight in each conference. There would be no buys. And then it, you seed it basically one through eight. Division champions get in there. I have made my own proposal where I think you should just go one through seven or one through eight, do it based on winning percentage, which means no NFC East in the playoffs because nobody wants to watch the NFC East in the playoffs this year. Um, <laughs> but this is this is fine too. If you go one through eight, no bye week, you know, it gives them two extra postseason games and, you know, the NFL needs all the revenue it can get at this point. So is it something that's a possibility like that they could legitimately change the playoff landscape during the season here? Yeah, they. I mean, it would be a one year only thing. This wouldn't be a, you know, a forever thing. But it's similar to how Major League Baseball did it, right? Where, you know, they, they added extra teams that were able to get in and it made the end of the season pretty exciting. For right now, it's something that's only on the table if other games have to be canceled. And if there's a lot more like schedule reorganizing that has to happen because of COVID, the NFL does not want to get into that week 18 scenario. That's kind of their worst case scenario right now is having to move games into January and then delay the postseason and push back the Super Bowl and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, they're working through all of the logistics and the the scenarios for, okay, well, let's say let's say it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. For whatever reason, they have an opponent who has an outbreak or another opponent who has an outbreak. They've already had their their season reorganized because of the Titans. But let's say they only have 15 games. And then, but the Ravens have 16 games. And then how do you figure out who wins? How do you figure out playoff seedings? So, you know, they're working through all of those type of things right now as well. And they're not being very public about it. You know, they've been largely quiet about their contingency plans dating all the way back to, you know, April, really, probably when we really started pushing them on what is the season going to look like. They are so focused on getting Every team, 16 games within the 17-week structure. But it's naive to assume, given the way that the season has already gone and what is happening in all of the cities where we live right now, to expect that they're going to be able to kind of have, you know, a smooth road from, you know, week nine through week 17. From a Steelers standpoint, like you're talking about, you're sitting back as the Steelers going, well, if they had that eighth team, all of a sudden your bye week doesn't mean anything. You being the one seed isn't really beneficial. And as a 49er fan, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of licking my chops going, hey, this thing ain't over, right? We got an opportunity to do something. Let's get all four NFC West teams in the postseason. Yeah, let's do that. that would keep the NFC East out, get all the NFC West in. I know that the national uh, uh, perspective on the Cowboys and the Eagles might not like that, but out West, it could be fun. Right. I mean, the only people who want the NFC East in the playoffs are the television networks who exactly benefit from those markets but from a pure football perspective nobody needs to see the nfc east in the playoffs none of them deserve to be there so I, but i think, I think all we, four <laughs> a all all four nfc west teams absolutely deserve to be there at this point i mean i'm curious i you know i think the cardinals are you know there's a there's some variance there but 
look, it's the best division of football. So the playoff field would be better if all four of those teams are in it. Yeah, you certainly get better quarterbacks in there. That'd be a lot of fun yeah. to get the uh, to get Kyler and, and Jared Goff and those guys in there. So anyway, Lindsey, thanks so much for coming by. We'll check in with you again. Maybe week 18 when we're wrapping up the season, right? When we're uh, when we're playing games and extending the season. Week 18, we'll have you by again at by Lindsey H. Jones on Twitter. Make sure you give her a follow. Check her out on The Athletic. Thanks so much again. Thanks so much for having me. Always a great conversation with Lindsey Jones. I like that. We can do a little whip around the NFL, get a big picture perspective as we inch closer and closer to the back end of this season and the return of some of these players, the IR results of, of some of these three-week stop-offs and a lot of teams who I think are, are on the bubble and seven teams from each conference getting an opportunity this year to get in to the playoffs, but just one buy in both the AFC and the NFC. Thank you to Lindsay. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. We have a lot of fun bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports each week. On Monday, we'll talk to Matt Barrows. We talked to him about once a month about the 49ers situation. A lot of stuff around Jimmy Garoppolo last week, as well as the 49ers and the Packers. A little recap before we preview 49ers and Saints in week 10 before the 49ers get a bye week. Everybody Everybody enjoy the weekend. Be safe. We will talk to you on Monday.